Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. This is episode 45. And I'm very excited to have one of my great friends as a guest today. Before I introduce him, I want to introduce my book, which is called A Gift from Adversity, which is available on Amazon. And the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. After I experienced this in Japan, and I did a lot of motivational speech, public speaking, and then people asked me if I had a book, and I did not. So I decided to publish a book. And this is about my life and story. But after I published my book, a lot of people told me their adversities, and I decided to create this platform for everyone to share their adversities, but not only that, tools that they use to overcome, and a gift that came from it. So today, I'm very excited and honored to have a guest. His name is Mark Walker. He is multi-Grammy winning composer and drummer, and a dear friend of mine. Thank you, Mark Walker, for coming to A Gift from University today. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Great. So Mark, can you please tell our audience who you are and what you do? Sure, my name is Mark Walker, and I am a drummer, composer, and educator. And can you tell us about your Grammy? <laughs> sure, uh, I've been working for about 33 years with Paquito de Rivera, a great Cuban clarinetist and saxophonist, and I've played on many Grammy-winning recordings of his and uh, received a couple of statuettes, which I have in the studio here many nominations also for a latin grammy and i also received a grammy nomination for a composition that i wrote and that sparked me to study further great and you recently graduated somewhere yes uh i decided to go for a master's degree at uh, umass amherst in jazz composition because I worked with all these great composers and I really wanted to understand music. And uh, that kind of relates to the whole <clears throat> adversity thing too, in a way, which I'll tell you in a minute. But I just just graduated with a master's uh, basically about a week and a half ago. So feeling pretty good. Amazing, congratulations on you. all your accomplishment. And, um, do you have a website or social media handle that people can visit and learn more about you? Sure. I am on Instagram at, at Mark Walker Drums. And I also have a lesson website called markwalkerlessons.com, which is going to be expanded very shortly now that I have time. Wonderful. So, and then you have upcoming exciting gigs. You have traveled all over the world as a drummer and composer. So do you have any upcoming exciting gigs and traveling? Yes. Um, I have uh, my first dates with the trumpeter Arturo Sandoval uh, on June 3rd. And he actually called me for the gig right after I graduated. So it, it's a, kind of a perfect timing. And I'm also working with the Boston Pops for the first time on June 9th and 10th. 
we're doing an all Ellington program. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, <clears throat> I downloaded the practice parts, but I also downloaded the scores because since I studied jazz composition, I really got into studying scores. So now I can see what's happening in the entire orchestra. And that's a major gift for a composer. That's amazing. And I'm so excited for you. And I'm so honored to know you. And then we actually got to work together for Boston 48 of our film project a couple weekend ago. That was so much fun. Yes. And we have a screening tonight. So we're very excited. And tell us about composing for the film. Well, uh, I thought once I graduated, you know, the last two years have been very hectic. Uh, because I teach at Berkeley, I teach at New England Conservatory, and I was studying full-time at uh, UMass Amherst and doing uh, teacher's assistant work out there, which involved teaching. And also uh, during the pandemic, I was mixing in the studio. Um, so, and also gigs on top of that and a little bit of travel. So it got quite hectic and things seemed really impossible and uh, once I passed through all of that, I was thinking, okay, this summer I am just going to chill out. So the day of my graduation, I wound up doing a gig that night. And then the day after I graduated, you called with this film, uh, film offer, the 48-hour film challenge. So I thought, okay, I'm a composer. I got to do this. There's no way I can say no to this. And uh, so you said, okay, we need a heavy metal song. And, you know, I haven't done any real heavy metal gigs. I mean, I'm mostly jazz and Latin. and But I do play, I do come from a rock background and I played a lot of rock and I appreciate it. So I just sat down and made up something. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I actually, uh, I borrowed a guitar from my son, a real cheap guitar that went out of tune every time I played it. And uh, I played some power chords and pretty soon this composition emerged and it seemed to fit the film very well, which we'll find out tonight for sure. It's fabulous. So the thing that I really enjoyed about it was uh, that it was, it had a deadline, even though I've been struggling with deadlines for two years this was fun. I mean, not that UMass wasn't, but this was a lot of fun. And it reminded me of the old days because uh, I used to live in Chicago and I did a lot of studio sessions. We'd run around from studio to studio all day doing sessions, have Carnage bring our stuff. And, uh, and it was the way it was set up was everybody was a team. It was the advertising agency, the client, the producer, the musicians, they were all in the same space and they all work together as a team. And, uh, you know, sometimes it would it would be a situation where uh, they might have a fader on the console specifically for the client. So if they need more of this or more of that, they could just raise it and lower it, but it didn't do anything. So they call it the client fader. But, um, but it was fun. Everybody, it was a great vibe and uh, this reminded me of that, even though I was working here in the studio and you were all working together, it did remind me of everybody pulling together to make something happen. And uh, that is about as fun as it gets. 
you know really i mean any fun situation is is a social situation like that where everybody's into it and putting their all into it and 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 thinking creatively and working together it's it's wonderful well, thank you i can't thank you enough for participating for this year's 40 hour film project and we'll find out tonight so let's actually move on to our okay. topic which is a gift from adversity and then the first question i have for all, all my guests is the adversity so would you tell our audience what was your adversity well it's hard to say because there were uh there were lots of them uh i don't want to get too specific because we're in public but um you know some things happened that kind of uh uh sort of killed my confidence and uh got me thinking too much and got me seeking things to fill a void within myself so um you know i lost some people close to me uh there were some things that happened and also i was really disappointed with myself because i made a lot of bad decisions and i wasn't really taking care of myself so much but uh, yeah so that's that's pretty much what happens i know that's not being very specific but uh, you know it's a little too personal to make it public so hope that's okay for the program yeah that is totally fine and then you know this is a podcast that i created that i just wanted to have this platform to talk about these things and then i think normalizing the conversation about the adversity and challenges are not normal and then i wanted to make it more accessible for people to listen and then mm -hmm. share so it's completely okay whatever the comfort level that you have so let's actually dissect a little bit so without going to like real specifics like you said something that happened that killed your confidence do you remember what age it was were you adult or were you were you young yes i was uh oops excuse me i was a young child i was about eight years old and uh yeah a couple of things happened that just uh you know uh, i saw some things that were really seemingly evil so my childhood was really hell and then my abuse really started around eight, eight years old mm -hmm. when my parents divorced and then my dad started to sexually physically abuse me he kind of turned his sexual knees towards me right and as young as eight years old it has so much impact in your life i'm 45 right now and mm -hmm. That was such a long time ago, but the trauma that happened around age eight is really like affected me the whole life. And then still till, you know, still I'm like middle-aged woman and so like still it's affecting me and it, it's annoying. Like it just, I don't know how we can get rid of this impact that's created in the childhood. Right. I mean, there's only so much you can do about that. Uh, but, 
you know, I've learned to let it go and move on. Yes. And so when it happened, like the challenge or adversity that do you think it affected your school life and social life? Um, definitely. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Most definitely. I did very poorly in school uh, from about, well, from grade school all through high school. I barely got through high school. I was going to drop out. So uh took me a while to get that confidence back. And uh, so I wound up taking a, I like to joke, a, I took a 40 year gap year after high school. But actually uh, there were lots of playing opportunities. So that, that helped. But there was a lot of many years where I didn't feel uh, didn't feel like I fit in or I felt kind of lonely. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, basically I didn't really know what was going on. And I uh, felt very immature and sometimes I would act out. So even in a professional setting sometimes. So I think especially after the pandemic happened, a lot of people went through isolation and depression. But when I was growing up in Japan, mental health was never talked about. PTSD, I never heard of that word until I was actually at Berkeley uh, counselor when I was 23. That was the first time I've heard of that word, PTSD. And the trauma and then abuse, those are the foreign language to me like in like we do have those words and then when earthquake in 2011 big earthquake hit in the northern part of japan and tsunami and that's when people really start to talk about ptsd and the me too movement is very recent in japan as well so it took so long for us to catch up to where we are right now and then i think america especially after the pandemic, a lot of people are talking about mental health and depression, and it's getting more accessible for the information and the conversation and resources. But how was it growing up uh, in America, going through these challenges that were there? Was there any services or help uh, or languages that you learned? Or was it hard to access those resources? Well, for me, I grew up in a very turbulent time. I was growing up in Chicago uh, during the uh, riots in 1968, and we were right there by Lincoln Park where it was happening. So tear gas would be coming through our back door sometimes. And uh, it was a very, very turbulent time in America as well as uh, in our neighborhood. And uh, Later on, I actually, there was a, a, you know, kind of a bright light came. I, I joined uh, judo a little bit. I practiced judo and then I practiced uh, taekwondo and yoga. That was my first exposure to yoga. And that was when I was a teenager. Um, and I was, I was playing music too at the time. And I started playing in a band with some of the instructors at this place. And it was called Shinsundo. It was in Chicago now called the Association for World Peace. Uh, so they always emphasized peace and they had a method called peace breathing where you inhale thinking world, exhale thinking peace. 
And that made an impact on me because that was the first time I was ever exposed to meditation. And I think that that helped a lot. So other than that, I mean, I don't know. I didn't know what programs there were available, if there were any, you know, I, I never heard of anything like that back then. Uh, but, uh, you know, I continued the martial arts for a while, but then it became a little dangerous because at one time I broke my hands and I had to play a record date the next week. So it was uh, not so good. So I decided to uh, stop and concentrate more on music. Well, thank you so much for sharing the history um, of the background. And I think um, that's the confusion of, so something happens, like say some trauma happens in your childhood. And then when there was, if I had more resources and then languages given, and then tools, the coping skills that was given growing up, I think I wouldn't have suffered this long because I would have identified more and quicker, and I wouldn't have wasted in a way um, for depression and beating myself up. I know exactly that feeling because I, I'm learning all these methods and tools and having all these realizations in the last couple of years, not only studying, but practicing yoga now I've been doing that for a couple of years. Uh, and that has been a total life changer, game changer for me. And sometimes I'm just, I'm thinking, why didn't I discover this way back then? You know, but my yoga teacher sometimes says every moment is perfect. Even if it's messed up, it's still perfect. And I realize things, the way things happen, they've all led us up to this very moment and here we are. So we're okay. Yes, absolutely. But I'm not okay. everyone is okay. So we have to try to help them. Right. And I really want to go back to what you said during the adversity conversation that you lost somebody close. Right. Mm -hmm. I can, I can say, uh, I think most people know that know me that, uh, I lost my first wife to suicide back in uh, 1988. And, uh, you know, we didn't know, we, we, she was feeling depressed and we had no idea what to do about it. And it just got to be too much for her. I'm very sorry to hear that. I remember you. you, yeah, I remember that um, you sharing it with me before mm -hmm. in, uh, Recently, one of my friends lost her husband to suicide, and a month ago, um, it's such a tragedy, and I, I don't know what to say. And uh, some of my close friends lost a family member also to suicide. Oh yeah, I've also lost students at Berkeley mm -hmm. to suicide, and it's like, uh, you know, they seem totally fine. They're into the music having a great time in the lesson, they're, they're growing, they're developing, and then all of a sudden, bam, they're gone. I just, uh, you know, I just wish I could have done something. But uh, what can you do? Try to help people that are around now. 
and that's what you do with this program so that's good yes absolutely and i appreciate you sharing that because i think a lot of people who had lost loved ones to suicide um i think the hardest part is how do i share this how do i you know be okay to share this and not being judged and i think the challenge is that more we share our adversity and challenge i think it would have impact on other lives as well and then also yourself i think it's kind of healing to share because it's a life event and then it is something that truly happened to you and for my case abuse sexual abuse domestic violence bullying homelessness that's the title of my book and those are heavy things that happened to me and oh, yeah. i didn't know i didn't know what to process but as i published my book and then starting this podcast and having this conversation it gets not like easiest or easier but it gets more it takes out of the stigma that i mm -hmm. had when i was in the middle of the storm right you can deal with it because you can speak about it it's not something that you can't touch yes absolutely so i would like to shift our question to tools that you use to overcome these challenges and you kind of mentioned a little bit but i'd like you to focus on the things that truly worked for you to overcome this and the reason why i'm asking this to all of our guests are very um important to me because a lot of people who have never gone through this magnitude of trauma they'll just say oh talk to the therapist you can find a final therapist right. and i think i i heard it like hundreds of times where you have no idea what you're talking about and i just felt like not irresponsible abandoned but i felt no they gotta be something that works and then i tried so many modalities to heal myself i tried so many things so would you share your tools that truly worked for you to overcome these challenges sure uh, i did go through some therapy and i uh, was lucky to have a very good therapist so that was that was it was definitely helpful because uh they can they can illuminate things that you just might not be able to see but they get it from your conversation so that's that's one thing but i haven't had that for many 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 years but uh as i mentioned for the last couple of years i've been studying yoga and uh, uh, i've been practicing here in the studio so all through the pandemic, I was practicing yoga. Before I was doing uh, hip kickboxing, but it was a little hard on the hands sometimes. Um, but I started yoga, so it was a completely different thing. And I realized that in yoga, and I wasn't, I wasn't really trying to get anything. I was just practicing. I just wanted to start practicing and take care of myself. Uh, but it it gives you challenges because you have to get in all these positions and sometimes it's painful, but you feel so good afterwards. And it also teaches you to be in the moment. 
And that I think is a real key thing. Like uh, one person I listen to a lot is Eckhart Tolle. Uh, he talks about being present. Uh, it's not to say that you should forget the past or forget the future. Obviously, you can reflect and you can think about what's coming up and all that. But in daily life, if you're if you're more present in what you're doing, you probably number one, you'll probably avoid a lot of accidents or a lot of misfortunes. So it's like being mindful, but uh, not necessarily overthinking things. So that that is kind of what I'm learning now uh, with practicing yoga. You have to be there and be concentrating on what you're doing. And you have to breathe. And sometimes you have to surrender into the pose uh, because it's so hard. But once you do that, you find the space in there. And then I know it sounds kind of abstract, but you breathe into it and then you can breathe into the space. And that kind of finds its way into the rest of your life. Uh, like, for example, I mean, I sometimes I have to play very simply on the drums, and I have to leave a lot of space. So I have to feel everything that's going on in between those beats. And sometimes I have to play a million miles an hour. And uh, But even if you're playing a million miles an hour, you have to feel the space in that. So what was interesting uh, also about studying at UMass is that the assignments they give you, it just seems completely impossible. Like there's no way I'm ever going to finish all this stuff on top of all the other stuff I have to do. But somehow everything got done. And uh, I realized that there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing, there's nothing that's impossible. I mean, I don't know if I could sit here and levitate for you right now, but in terms of like all the challenges we face, there's nothing that we can't do to, to get through it. We just have to have the right mindset. And, uh, and, you know, I try not to dwell on the past. I try not to think only in the future. I try to think what's the best thing I could do to practice now and the moment you take a deep breath you're right there you're right there in the present like Eckhart Tolle was saying uh there are no problems right now I mean okay I could have a broken arm or be in the hospital with COVID or whatever but right now there are no problems I may have a lot of challenges to solve but I have to take one step at a time so um, that's basically it. And, you know, I'm just trying to be disciplined and uh, be consistent in my practice. And uh, I think that's what it takes. And not, I'm not thinking in terms of getting to point B, arriving. I'm thinking in terms of being where I am. Even if I can't do a pose, even if I can't play bebop at 450 beats a minute yet, it'll get there. But I'm not going to worry about it. Just practice where I am. So if you practice where you are with whatever it is, life, music, uh, then you're going to be growing. Uh, one thing my yoga teacher 
suggested I do was keep a journal. So I've been keeping a journal for a while. And she introduced the idea of a Sankalpa. Uh, let me look this up for a second because I want to read this. Uh, this is a great tool that I've been using. And uh, I'm just going to look up the email. What did you say, Sankalpa? Sankalpa. How do you spell? It's uh, S-A-N-K-A-L-P-A. Okay, well, my phone's not behaving today. But uh, basically what it is is you, you sit quietly and you try to go into the center of your being. And uh, then you kind of observe what comes up. And you also create kind of a, almost like an intention. For example, this morning, uh, my I, I meditated for about 15 minutes and I came up with one that was basically, I continue to grow and embrace any challenges something of that nature. So you can, uh, you can say, my desires regarding such and such are already realized. Or you can you can make it like an intention. So uh, one I did the other day was I, I'm grateful for all the gifts that come my way. Because so many good gigs are coming my way and so many good situations. And, you know, it's a really good time right now. And uh, I feel like we have to show gratitude. So if you have some kind of personal intention like that, uh, you can feel it in your life and you can kind of start to see it coming. I think if we, if we look at life a certain way, we can see it as a big drag and we look at life another way, we can see it as a series of gifts coming, which is basically the title of your book. You know, so I'm starting to see all the gifts coming my way and uh, I'm trying to not think from lack, like, oh, we can't, I can't do that because X or I don't have this or I don't have that. I try to think beyond that. And, uh, and then your energy, the energy you use helps you go in that direction, whichever direction you want to go in. I've never tried to articulate it, so pardon if it's awkward, but uh, I feel like that's a good direction for me. And, and I feel like with all this, these good things coming to me, I feel like I should really do my best to use the gifts to grow. So uh, whatever happens, it's it's an opportunity to grow. And there's struggle, there's there's pain in growth, but there's also joy in growth. You are eloquently elaborating the tools that I Thank asked you. for more than what I anticipated. And also, I really like the idea. It's almost like you know, half the glass empty or full kind right. of concept. 
I remember when I was dating this boyfriend when I was 19 that I was such a negative person. And he told me, Jerry, like, you, do you know this concept of half glass, empty or half glass? Well, you are the half glass empty person. <laughs> <laughs> and then he really tried to teach me how to be grateful and then appreciative and not look at what, all, what I don't have. This is right after I was homeless. And then mm. I was like, very miserable and then i think i had a i had all the rights to be miserable to be honest with you but like i was very very sad and then um he really taught me a lot during that time and even now i'm a single mom and you know if i look at all these challenges as being a single mom it's hard but at the same time when i look at the other way around like you said opportunities and gifts i have all these amazing friends like you all my close friends who are helping my children my dreams and then my goals and my passion just you know just like the 48 of film project too i'm so grateful and you know i think the moment that you realize that you have these gifts around you and despite the challenges that we experienced um it's a matter of shifting the perspective and really trying to tell yourself, affirm yourself that you're valid. And we also talked about void the other day together. And yes, that's a huge thing about discovering for me to overcome the adversity the tools I didn't know was say openly like no, I suffered with sexual addiction due to my child sex abuse. And then I thought, you know, having these activities can fill it, but not having these activities can also fill the void. And I didn't know the other way around until recently. So I think it's very interesting how you shift to look at the space that we talked about void, for instance, as empty or as a space that you can actually substitute with peace. Right. Uh, you know, when you talked about the, the glass being half full or half empty, maybe half empty is good because it's, there's that space. Like a, if a student comes in and they know everything already, there's nothing I could teach them. They're just gonna try to teach me. It's okay. I'll, I'll just take the money and let you go. But if they come in uh, with an empty cup, then there's something we can put in there. If their cup is full, there's no there's no room. So uh, I try to remember that. You know, like I when I'm going in situations, I I don't try to come in like I know everything. I just try to figure out what's best for this situation. As a, as a, like as a sideman, uh, musician, for example. And uh, so, for for example, for the Boston Pops, I'm getting the charts in advance. I'm going to look at them, and then I'm going to look at the scores. But I'm going to come in with an open mind, just in case somebody wants to change something. Anyway, getting back to that void, I think that's what uh, you know. People want to fill it with something. But 
and you know you know people are sometimes afraid of silence like some people just turn on the tv just to have some sounds and they're kind of they're uncomfortable with silence but silence is just you know the old adage silence is golden silence is beautiful and it's what gives music it's what makes music music because if it were all sounds it wouldn't really be music there have to be some space somewhere you know you have to inhale sometime uh, but yeah i think uh that space that silence can be a sanctuary for any one of us what that we can use and i was thinking about that uh with the sankalpa that intention that can also be a personal sanctuary during the pandemic i was here you know there were no gigs i had no money uh but i was practicing practicing yoga we were trading recordings with people having fun but uh i knew that it would come back you know i i didn't think oh this is it i'm gonna lose my house um i knew it was going to come back eventually and i used it the time as a personal reset not a great reset the world economic forum is talking about i'm talking about a personal reset so that's when i started practicing yoga and doing doing it differently and uh it's good to be back out so but uh but you know the sanctuary part of it, I think, is important because we need a place we can go, a safe place we can go, a place we can regroup. And it doesn't have to be a physical place; it can be within you. And that basically is the space. A lot of people talk about the space in different ways. Uh, and I have to, I have to mention a dream I had close to when I was graduating. Uh, I was, I dreamed I was leaving a large institution, which was obviously school. And uh, there were a few things lying around, like pencils and stuff. I said, I thought to myself, oh, maybe I should grab that pencil. And I stopped myself and I said, you know what? I don't need that. Just leave it. And then I kept going and I was finally outside and I was driving over this big bridge this huge bridge, which went way up. I couldn't see what was on the other side, but it seemed to be made out of a different material than most roads. I realized later it was a giant yoga mat. And so I was driving on this thing really fast. And I remember saying to myself, Mark, slow down. You don't know what's on the other side. So I slowed down and I drove more in a controlled way. And when I got over the hump to the other side, I saw the biggest, brightest sun that I have ever seen and nothing but water with the sun reflecting on the water. It was completely light. And uh, it was quite amazing. So that was kind of a kind of an awakening dream. But the point that I wanted to make is that sometimes you have to let stuff go that you don't need anymore instead of taking it with you. And uh, it's one of the hardest things to do. 
but you keep practicing and then you get to that light at some point and so that light that's my sanctuary i can go there anytime i need to just take a breath and think about it and we're there Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. It's very interesting and inspiring. And just, you know, um, a guest that I had, I, it just reminded me of David Torres' story that he had panic attack and then got uh, prescription medication. And then he got kind of addicted to it and he got opioid. And then on top of that, some other, you know, addictions. And then his heart stopped. And then oh. after that, he was in this, you know, rehab houses, and then he learned so much techniques. Now, he said, my show now, when he has panic attack, he knows the tools that he was taught at this um, recovery places, and then um, he can come back in 10 minutes. And I was just thinking about it this morning, and it's, you know, the light void, the conversation that we are having right now. I think these are all the signs and you know, tools, coping skills that we lack as our generation did not have those resources to even identify that we, we were depressed or PTSD or whatever the hell it was. And then I think having those tools as a parent and as somebody who does journalism and then this podcast and then filmmaking, I think it's important for us to know more tools in the toolboxes and then just like, you know, have this aid that's ready to go. Almost like when you have a fever, you go to CVS and then get Tylenol and then just take the fever medication. And sometimes people say piggyback, ibuprofen and Tylenol. And then those I didn't know until I had children. And then now I know what to do, but then trauma and depression and panic attacks those are not easy to talk about or aid um right. people call police or like you know go extreme and then get in more trouble so i think you know having this tools and conversation and then perspectives that you learn you know during the pandemic especially everyone went through that is i think it's extremely important I totally agree. And also to refresh your knowledge and refresh your practice, because you could learn something that could change your life, but then you could forget it next week and go back to exactly the way it was before. So it's like, uh, you have to keep practicing. It's life is a practice. Yes, absolutely. And it's the real thing. It's the real thing, but it's also a practice. Yes. And I've heard it takes 21 days to for sub subconscious to change completely so oh, i did wow. yeah 20 days um the 21 days um challenge so i had a checkbox and i did all 21 days to shift my subconsciousness so that's uh, you i have to say you're an amazing example of, me yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i just yeah it's, it's amazing i have so much admiration for you oh thank you i yeah. i don't know what i'm doing but i think i'm much better prepared uh, for my panic attack and then for anyone around me that is going through a hard time like yeah. i can 
right there and I can tell them what to do, which is amazing to me because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And pretty much everyone's going through a hard time at some point. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's life, but uh, it teaches us. So my last question is a gift. So what is a gift that came from the adversity? Uh, I think maybe it, I was taught what, what not to do just by observing others. Um, but also I had to observe that in myself. I, I have to, I had to figure out what to leave behind. So that was definitely a gift because now I'm not anxious. Uh, I'm not depressed. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to everything that's happening in life every moment. And it's real, it's not fake, you know. So, uh, and you know, it, it really helps me to deal with whatever comes up because undoubtedly situations are going to come up there's always a solution. There's always something you can do. There's always a practice. And uh, even when life gets really messed up, uh, I try to remember every moment is perfect and something good will come of this. It sort of tests your, your philosophy, I guess. You know, I believe we come from essence we come from the void we come from essence you know the larger void some people say god some people don't believe in anything it doesn't really matter you know physically we're the same stuff as stars uh so we come here and we learn and we have a good time Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming to A Gift from Adversity today and sharing your story and tools and a gift. And I really um, appreciate our friendship and this deep conversations as we grow older and learn more um, of these life experiences and then how to overcome these challenges every day. So my last uh, request is if somebody's listening to this podcast and is going through hardship right now, what kind of advice can you give? I would say the first thing you can do is take a deep breath and just be right there. If you feel depression or heartbreak or whatever, just be an observer to that feeling. Don't try to push it away, just observe it and just keep breathing. And uh, that's, I think that would be a good first step. Then that will probably keep you from doing something you might regret later. And also you can just sit with it and then later on you'll feel better. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. As simple as it said, deep breathing, when you are having a panic attack and if you when you're hyperventilating that's one thing you can't do right it's just hard and i've experienced it 
firsthand when I'm having panic attack, I hyperventilate, I can't breathe, I can't catch your breath, like literally. So having to have that reminder, just deep breath and then just let it go. And I like earlier what you said, when you inhale the world and exhale the peace. Yes. I really like, I really like that concept. And yeah, that was, uh, that was conceived by this master, Master Kim, who I used to study with in Chicago. And uh, he said, everything is fading away. Everything is renewing. And so he would emphasize that part of it. So all problems are fading away. Everything's fading away. Everything's renewing. It's just like nature. You look outside, you see that. So, uh, and he said, if you keep world peace in mind, that vibration is going to go all around the world and come back to you. I like that. Yeah. And there's many different things you could say. You could say, that, you know, you can, you can make up your own uh, saying as you breathe. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be just world peace, but world peace is a good universal one. Yes, absolutely. I can't thank you enough for your time today. And also when you are listening and going through a hard time, like Mark and I talked about today and Mark shared about a moment being present and there's no problem. I like that a lot because I think a lot of it that's eating ourselves up is the past and the future. Oh, yeah. So and the, the past yeah, past is the trauma. Well, my my case is the childhood trauma that's eating my present and present moment and future and anxiety. You know, what if I say this to this person and that's gonna happen? And then that might never happen. And then you just create these monsters, like situations like in your head. But when you look right. at it now, you're right. Like there's no problem right now. Uh, another thing Eckhart Tolle said was that we're addicted to thinking. I mean, thinking is good, of course. We need thinking to function and do our daily life, but uh, sometimes it can just spiral into something really negative. You know, like you're you're figuring out what you want to eat, and then 20 minutes later, how how dreadful your life is. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely. Well, thank That's you so hard. much. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so meaningful to me. And thank I'm you. so happy. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Yes. And then um, I continue to have great guests for a gift diversity. But thank you again, uh, Mr. Mark Walker, for university. Yes. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. And we will see you next time. All right. Take care.